Welcome Thrive Community Church. It is so good to see all of you on Facebook, online, on YouTube this week. We decided to have online services because we have so many people that are out in the community serving, fixing issues, repairs, facilitating the needs of others. And so uh, I am just congratulating everyone who is able and willing to get out and do that to facilitate the needs for others. Those who have been bringing in resources or calling for us to pick up resources. Thank you so much. Thank you for being the church. We know this has been stressful, a stressful week, and there have been many shifts and changes for so many. Many are still without electricity. Some are without water. And so uh, we didn't want to put extra burden on any one of our GO team members who do such a great job each week here at Thrive Community Church to facilitate the needs of others. Many of you are uh, without finances to get here or fuel or you're in a situation where someone else is using your vehicle. Some of you have water pipe breaks that you're fixing. Uh, we ourselves had two hot water heaters that uh, burst. And so thankfully we had our water meter turned off so that our house wouldn't flood when the water came back on. But that is that is a, a small issue. And so I just celebrate with God that that is our only struggle that we have. So right now we're boiling water to drink, but we're boiling water and heating it up so we can bathe as well. And this is a, this is a small issue. So I'm celebrating, I'm thanking the Lord that we have electricity, that we have a warm home, and that now we actually have water and, you know, a tankless hot water heater, those hot water, we can buy another one. That's not a big deal. So I'm very thankful. I'm praising God through all of this because we made it. Not only did we make it, we had people reach out to us and as we were reaching out to others. And I really am proud of the church because the church was actually the church and we are being the church. And so that's the number one reason that we wanted to not put pressure on others to feel like they need to come in to worship, but they can go out to worship as they serve others and they're taking care of the needs. And so that is taking place right now, not only in Henderson County, but in Anderson County. Some have gone over to Anderson County as well to facilitate those needs. So I do want to give you a, a heads up on some of the changes. We were going to launch Thrive Tribes this week, but because of the winter storm, we decided to put back, push back the Thrive Tribe start the kickoff until next Sunday. So next Sunday, February 28th, we're going to have kind of a tailgate party atmosphere out front, out front of our church. It's going to be a beautiful day. We're going to have food out there and we're going to have uh, plenty of opportunity for you to get signed up into a small group, what we call Thrive Tribe, so that you can do life with others over these next three months. And so I want to encourage you to come in, get signed up, get into a small group, a group of people that you can love on and do life with. And, 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 I, and I'm probably, you're probably this week seeing that there was a great need to be in a small group or have a small group of people around you because that's where you get first, your firsthand help and assistance from those uh, who have resources, you have relationship with. And, and not only that, Thrive Tribes is a place where we find freedom. You can take off the mask of life and really get real and share what's going on in your life and your heart. And you have people around you that will uh, speak life into you, pray with you, and, and walk these situations and struggles out with you. So that is being postponed until February 28th. So that's next Sunday. So be looking forward to that. You can sign up through the Church Center app or livewithpurpose.church. 
There will be an events form, events page, and you can sign up right there. They have, we have actually have 10 small groups, 10 Thrive Tribes this semester. So we're real, I'm really proud about that. And then uh, our free Burma Ranger movie night. We have postponed that. That was going to be tonight. Uh, that was going to be tonight at 5.30, but we've actually postponed that till April 11th at 6 p.m. April 11th online. Uh, sorry, uh, we can register online. We'll be in person April 11th at 6 p.m. So that's Free Burma Ranger movie night. Don't want you to miss that. That's going to be a lot of fun. We actually have some uh, a couple who are leaving to go to Burma to be missionaries there, and they want to share their story with you. And then our date night that we have, uh, it was a Valentine's date night, but we keep having to get it, we're having to push it back. So it's just going to be our date night. And as soon as we can nail down a time and a date with the, uh, with the restaurant, then we will send you that out. Those of you who have registered for that as well. And our equip class that was supposed to be yesterday, we have postponed and the date is to be determined as well. And so we have a lot going on. We have a lot coming up, but I would just want you to know that you didn't miss these things. They are being postponed, pushed back so that you can attend them for your growth, for your equipping. Because we're here as your body, your church, your staff is to equip you, the body of Christ, for the work of the ministry. And so lastly, I want to let you know that we do have an emergency response hotline right now. And if you will text HELP, to 903-804-7418. We have people waiting by and they will respond to your text with a link that you can fill out. That way we can fill out, we can get an idea of what your needs are. And then we have a dozen people waiting to assimilate those those, uh, items and package those up so that they can send those, deliver those out to you. Now, You may be seeing this late. You can do this all week long. We will be here available for you, distributing all week long. We are working on getting some water bottles, a a pallet of water bottles, hopefully by Tuesday, so that you can come in to Thrive Community Church, pick pick up a case or two so that you can have some drinking water this week. So we will let you know. Stay posted on our website and Facebook, social media, and we will keep you informed on all of these things. But please, 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 if you have any needs whatsoever, please text HELP to 903-804-7418. Or if you have a neighbor or a loved one nearby that has a need, please let us know because we want to be there for them. We want, you, we want you to be able to be there for them as well. We are the church and we want to reach outside of these walls. And so write that down, take a picture, whatever you need to do, call a friend, whatever it is, just let's get some help to the people who have needs. And if you're not able to be in church today and you're not able to uh, get out, would you call a neighbor, go walk over to a neighbor you may not know and check on them. Just ask, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can pray for you about? Is there any needs that you have? Because we have a hotline and we're ready to help. So just do get outside of your comfort zone today and, and pick up the phone and make an uncomfortable phone call because 
Right now, the harvest is ripe and people are wide open to hear the gospel. Some people are actually losing loved ones during this time frame. And so it would mean a lot for you to reach out to them and possibly even bring over a simple meal. So thank you for doing that. And I want to bless that. I can't wait to hear the testimonies. And so uh, let us know at at info at livewithpurpose.church. If you'll just, any testimonies you may have, info, I-N-F-O, at livewithpurpose.church. Okay. Well, we have been in a series called Keys of the Heart, but I wanted to breach that gap a little bit and, and give you a message that's a little bit more appropriate for today, for this week, in the circumstances and situations that are at hand. So the word that God has given me, is, it comes out of 2 Kings 3, 9, and 20, but the title he gave me is God's faithfulness, his faithfulness in the trial, because many of us have endured trials, we've seen trials, these are unprecedented times, really. These are not things where you, you can expect this to take place in Texas. I think being, uh, the last time I remember anything happening like this was in 1980, 81, something like that, and it was cold for several days. We had a great amount of snow. I learned how to write yellow in the snow. And by the way, yellow snow is a no-go. Never eat yellow snow. Uh, but I learned how to write my name <laughs> when I was a young boy in the snow in 1981. But, you know, it, it, we just weren't ready. Let's be honest. We weren't prepared for this. But I can guarantee you we'll be prepared for it if it comes back around. And I thank God what he's doing right now in this season uh, of, of our, our generation. It is he is he is preparing us for some great things to come. And it is important for us as the church to take this uh, acknowledgement and realize, hey, I wasn't prepared for this. Now I've got to get prepared in case something like this happens. Doesn't mean we freak out. We don't lose our mind. We don't go into hiding. We don't, we don't do anything weird. We still have to be effective in the culture, just not part of the culture. However, we should, as the church, begin to find a way to prepare for events as they come along in our lives, because they will. We're seeing them more rapidly. COVID-19, 2020 was a blur. Now we have this winter storm. And so what's next? We don't know, but we do know we can be prepared and start beginning our minds of preparation and thinking of others. You know, one day this week it said uh, it was zero degrees outside. I mean, that it felt like negative three. What, what is negative three? It feels like negative three. If it's zero, why doesn't it feel like zero, right? I don't know how they come up with this negative three thing. I don't know if they said, hey, George, once you strip down, go outside and tell me what it feels like. Oh, he comes back in. Well, I know it says zero, but it feels like it's negative three out there. What, what is, where does that come from even? So, but it felt like negative three this week. And so when you have that, that's a hard freeze. It starts to put pressure on everything frail in your house, on your property. And, and, and I'm, that's, part of the, that's part of this message today. So let's get into it. We're talking about 2 Kings 3, 9 through 20. And this, again, the word that the Lord just kept putting on my heart. It was ruminating on my heart all week this week. And so as I begin to dig into it, God has been speaking to me. And I think it's, a, it's for you. I know it's for you. It's for me. And it's for the church in general. And it says this. So the king of Israel, Jehoram, I'll explain him in a minute, went with the king of Judah, 
Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom. And they marched on that roundabout route seven days. Well, see, what had happened was Moab, the king of Moab, was beginning to rise up against the king of Israel. Well, the king of Israel was a new, new king. His father had preceded him as the king of Israel, and he was not a, he was a, not a good dude. Uh, there was no, it says, in seven days, the roundabout for seven days, and there was no water. Hey, isn't that interesting? There was no water for seven days for the army, nor the, for the army, nor the animals, for the animals that followed. Okay, verse 10. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. The king of Israel was really panicking. I, I want to remind you, the king of Israel, uh, who his parents were Ahab and Jezebel. If you don't know them, I'll explain them a little bit later. But they had... They had a bad reputation in Israel. In fact, they had started worshiping the, in the, this god named Baal, this false god named Baal. And so Jeroam had, had knocked down the altars of Baal, but he still was following in the sinful manners and the sinful lifestyle that had taken effect in the generations of the, the kings of Israel. And so there they were. And now Jeroam had got together, the, the king of Israel had assimilated Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom, being three kings, and then began to lead them out to war against Moab. Moab and Ahab had a, the king of Moab and Ahab had a partnership. But once Ahab passed away and Jezebel passed away and Jeroam took office as the king, Moab says, no, here's a weak moment for Israel. Now we're going to rise up against Israel and we're going to destroy them. Well, Jeroam got a little bit intimidated and he says, oh, the Lord has called us, the three kings, to deliver us into the hand of Moab. Verse 11 says, But Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him, inquire of the Lord by him? And I really feel like this is the word of the Lord for the, from the uh, word for the church right here. Because when times are tough, most people don't know how to be steadfast through the trials. But the people of God will be sought after to find a solution and resolve as well as hope through these difficult times. All of a sudden, Jehoshaphat, who honored God, says, wait a minute, Jerome, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think God has led us out here to die, to be handed over to Moab. Thankfully, Jehoshaphat honored the Lord and loved the Lord. And he said, well, isn't there a man of God that we can go and listen to? A man of God that can be brought to us? It's interesting that whenever we're in a panic, we start to think the worst. We start to listen to the lies of the enemy. All of a sudden, these kings, mind you, who have all the resources at their hand, start to think, or at least one of them starts to think, oh no, we're out here to die. We have no water. Our food, for our, we have no water for our, 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 our army, for our animals. What are we going to do? Now, in hindsight, these three kings, three kings with all their resources, could have easily sent out part of their army and said, hey, go retrieve water and bring it back. But that's not what they did. They began, Jerome specifically began to panic, and Jehoshaphat said, wait a minute, there's got to be a word from the Lord that we can seek for this difficult time. 
And so one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Do you see that God hadn't let them out, led them out to the desert to kill them. God led them out to the desert so he could speak to them. He led them out to a place that was beyond their own control. So finally, they would choose to lean in and hear a word from the Lord. Finally, their own decisions had led them to a place that had put them into a frail position, into a challenging, into a weak manner because they're kings, they're high place, they sit on thrones. But their decisions, instead of seeking the Lord in the beginning of their decision, should we go out to war with Moab and what will be, what will be the outcome of this? No, they acted upon their own ego, their own pride, and even the, their own fear of Jeroboam. And so thankfully, Jehoshaphat, someone who honored God, was with them and said, wait a minute, what was I thinking? Isn't there a prophet that we can hear a word from the Lord about our situation? And God will allow you to take yourself into a place that feels like a desert so that you can find him again. And many of you may have been in that situation this week, feeling a little bit deserted, stuck in your home. And you may have realized, wait a minute, I need to hear from the Lord. And Jehoshaphat, verse 12, says this, And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Verse 13, Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. Remember, he's talking about Ahab and Jezebel. Now, Ahab and Jezebel worshipped Baal. Jezebel was one of the wicked most wicked women of all times she had it was her heart to rule and lead her own husband who was the king she was manipulative she used uh, sex tactics she was deceptive she was controlling she didn't honor authority that's the jezebel spirit and jezebel and her his father her, her husband ahab were worshiping other gods and in fact this is when, if you don't remember the story, Elijah, who was the predecessor of Elisha, who's in this story, Elijah went out to, to a, a battle, not between Elijah himself and the prophets of Baal, but there were 700 prophets of Baal coming up against the God of Elijah. And Elijah said, okay, let's do this. You called it, you set up a, a, an altar, and slaughter a bull and call down your fire from your God and see if he will burn it up. And then if not, or when it happens, or if it doesn't happen, I'll do the same. So these 700 prophets of Baal, they set up an altar to Baal. They, they sacrifice a, a bull and they're sitting there praying and, and, and worshiping and calling out and nothing happens. So it's, it goes past for a day, nothing happens. Elijah finally, he starts to, by himself, set up an altar, slaughters a bull, lays it on the altar. 
Then he gets jugs of water, pours it on top of the altar and the bull, and then he digs ditches around it, and then he pours water in those, and then he calls upon his God, our God, and boom, fire falls, and everybody, everybody is a witness. And then Elijah pulls out his sword, and he slaughters the 700 prophets of Baal right there. Well, the next day, Jezebel... Jezebel, who Elisha is referring to, says, uh, hey, I don't, where, I don't know where you are, but I'm coming after you, and I'm going to take your life. That The next day, after Elijah has slaughtered 700 prophets of Baal and had called upon his God for fire, and God responded, Elijah, Elijah listened to the lie of Jezebel, and he goes into hiding. That's a whole nother story. But Elisha didn't like it. Elisha, who who is a a spiritual son of Elijah, said, "Uh uh-uh, I don't know why you're talking to me. I don't want to have anything to do with you, Jeroam, who is the son of Ahab and Jezebel. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Why don't you go talk to the prophets and prophets, uh, prophets of your father and mother? All right. Look at verse next says, but the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. He's like, "Uh, no, I'm I'm not going back to the Baal. I'm not going back to those prophets. I'm not going there. I am right here, and the Lord has called us out to hand us over to Moab. And it's interesting how when we are in the middle of a trial— We feel like God is trying to punish us or he's not there with us. And that's what Jerome was trying to insinuate. He was talking to Elisha for the purposes of hearing from God, but he was not willing to talk to the Lord himself. And so he was bringing in the the, the reputation of the other two kings who were with him while they weren't speaking the same conversation. Jerome was panicking. He was full of fear. He was anxious. He was worried. But it was Jeroam who actually had called the other two kings and said, hey, out of his own fear, let's go to war with Moab. It was this king, Jeroam, who was leading this whole pilferage, this whole uh, pilgrimage, this whole uh, venture. Isn't it interesting how when someone out of fear begins to make an anxious decision and starts gathering other people, uh, rallying them in partnership to go along with them, and then when they get into a certain situation that's a little bit of a struggle and don't know what to do, you feel deserted, all of a sudden you're saying, they're saying, oh, God has led us out here to die, to be handed over to our enemy. Isn't that interesting? Then we start blaming God for our own decisions that we make during an emotional, fearful, anxious, depressed state. Well, Proverbs 19.3 says this, the foolishness of a man twists his way. You see, when we're in the middle of making our anxious decisions and our fear-based decisions and our worried decisions and we're all stressed, emotions are high. By the way, that's the worst time to make a decision. We make a decision and we want to get people involved and we want to bring people around us and we want to have some comforts of others. And then when it doesn't work out or it puts ourselves in a difficult situation, here's what it says we do. And his heart frets against the Lord. All of a sudden, God's the one that did it. (laughs) Right? All of a sudden, well, where was God in all of this? All of a sudden, I can't believe God allowed me to do this. 
all of a sudden, I can't believe God allowed this to happen. What do you mean? You're the one that made the emotional decision. And not only that, you started deceiving other people to get involved with your decision. Boy, I'm talking to somebody today. And you see, oftentimes when we don't like the, the way things are going in life, we make emotional decisions. And then when those decisions don't work out to our advantage, man, we become disheartened towards God. And we wonder, where is he now in all of our struggles? Well, verse 14, it says, And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Dang, Elisha, that's pretty strong. He was that upset about what Jeroam's mom and dad had done towards his predecessor, Elijah. Verse 15 says, But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played and the hand of the Lord came upon him. I want to pause right there and show you this is really point one right here. When the musician played and the hand of the Lord came upon them. It's okay. Go to point one. Point one is worship releases God's hand. In the middle of a difficult situation, in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of the trial, we don't get fret. We don't start to fret towards the Lord. We don't get disheartened. What we do is we begin to worship. And when we begin to worship in the, in the midst of a difficult situation, even if our emotions led us into that trial, when we begin to worship our Father, when we begin to worship Him because of who He is and His goodness, all of a sudden, His hand is released and He begins to give us a way out to navigate through our situation and our circumstances. I want to remind you, last year, this time, actually a month later, uh, March 15th-ish, when COVID hit, uh, our, our mission team was in Honduras. We had been in Honduras for one day, and then the borders closed in Honduras, the borders closed in America, and there was no sign of us getting out. Airlines had canceled all flights until May 6th, two months away, mind you, and there was nothing. Private jets were starting to cancel because they were afraid if their pilots came down to Honduras just for being out of the country, there would be a two-week quarantine, which would cost them millions of dollars of being able to fly in the U.S. So, there was struggle after struggle. Everything was slowly starting to turn into chaos. We were slowly having to be quarantined. Everybody was being quarantined in a third world country, mind you, where resources are extremely low. Thankfully, God had us in the midst of that trial in a safe place. Well, we had a team, I had a team that we were leading and we were keeping in contact with the, with the American uh, embassy. There in Honduras, I was keeping in contact with uh, some hands of the Senator Ted Cruz, with Representative Lance Gooden, and uh, employees for the uh, Homeland Security. Let me see. That, yeah, there were, we were keeping in continual contact with every one of these people groups. And 
their, their situations were constantly changing. Every 30 minutes when we thought we had a plan, it was gone the next 30 minutes. And that happened all day long for 12 days. But let me tell you what was taking place when God really began to move. When we were getting together and said, okay, hey, we can't stay in our, our anxiety and our stress and our worry. Let's come in. Let's have some devotion time, and then let's worship. And when our worship pastor, Delaney, began to play her guitar, or began to sing, and actually Jonathan Hairgrove was playing his guitar, we began to just worship. All of a sudden, instead of us having to call out, my phone was ringing with people from other parts of the world were trying, reaching out to see how they could help. And one night, when we were worshiping our God, I got a call from a missionary who, who I'd never met before in my life. He called. He said, hey, I heard about you guys. Uh, I think I have a way out for you. I have a contact at United Airlines, and they are confirming that they can get your, your people, your 12 people on a flight here in the next few days. And as we were praising God, he began to take care of our situation, and he was putting it in the hearts of his people that we did not know to connect, make connections for us, reach out to us, and bridge that gap. Do you know that I did not have to do one thing to get our team back at that point except for worship, worship God? And God used another individual to take care of all of our needs to get us back home. Not only, yes, I mean, everybody should be clapping. Not only that, but Mr. Lamb of Daystar Television reached out to us and said, hey, I want to help take care of any costs that it requires for you to not only be there, but to get back. And they sent $3,000 for us to be able to get back as well. And so I'm telling you, you just start worshiping God and God will begin to take care of your situation. Verse 16, let's look at this. And he said, and here's what happened in their situation. And he said, Elisha says, thus says, the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Huh? We don't have any water. We're out here stranded. We're tired. And you want me to dig ditches? Sometimes you have to do something that's a little prophetic to get the hand of God, to get, to get our hearts positioned with the hand of God. Sometimes you got to do a little extra legwork. You got to get a little uncomfortable. Sometimes a king has to get off his throne and humble himself a little bit. Somebody, I know you're hearing me, has to get in. So number seven, verse 17 says this, For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water. You see, we didn't have water this week. We didn't have really much rain, if at all, but we had snow. God, God will provide in a unique way. We didn't have running water, but do you know that my family was going out and scooping snow up so that we could boil it on our gas range so that we could bathe, so that we could have drinking water, water so we could clean our house. Uh, you may not have it the way you want it or the way you expect it, or God may not be providing according to your comforts, but he's providing. And if your eyes are open and your heart is humble, you'll be able to see what it is he's providing to call to be the solution to your problem. 
But sometimes you got to get outside of your own comfort zones. You got to get on, out of your own mindset. Can I say it this way? You've got to get out of your own expectations. The valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. God's going to supply all of your needs, but he's going to do it his way. And for as long as your heart is set on it being done your way, you will think that God is not providing your needs. But God is providing your needs. He's just waiting for you to get into alignment with what he's doing. Verse two, number two, point number two is this. Our valleys are God's training sessions. Our valleys, they were stuck in the middle of a valley, felt stranded, felt lost, felt like they were being handed over to the enemy. But God had brought them to a place so that he could realign their hearts and give them a little bit of training. Verse 18 says this, and this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. It's a simple matter. Oh, you don't have water? It's a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. Oh, you don't have electricity? This is a simple matter in the heart of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Now, you may be thinking this is the most trying time ever, and it is likely, but God is, to God, this is a simple matter. You may not have the answers because you're used to your comforts and your, resource, your natural resources and the things that you're used to using to get the job done and do life. But this is a time where we begin to lean in and begin to listen to God, begin to seek God for a word, begin to, begin to, begin to grind in, kind of take our heart and say, okay, Lord, I can't, this is not happening my way. What is your way in the midst of this? How are you going to lead me so that I can not only lead myself, but my family, and then facilitate the needs of others in a difficult situation? Because let me tell you, our God will never put us in a position or a situation that he is not willing and able and trying to lead us in and through when we are in the middle of the circumstances of our own decision making a storm like this comes through and it starts to put frail put pressure on the frailties of our decision in the same way maybe pipes are bursting all across the city whenever they're pressuring up water and then they're repairing breaches and then somewhere else the pipes are are bursting because of the air hammering that's going on because there's frailty in other areas of the pipes within the plumbing of the city the same thing when you've you're, you're in the middle of the circumstance based on your own decision-making, probably out of fear, probably out of worry, probably out of self-protection, self-defense, whatever the situation. When you're in the middle of the circumstance, all of a sudden a storm like this comes through and begins to put pressure on your life and it starts to bear down on the frailties of your decision oh you may be get you may be getting by just fine while life is good but let's let your own decisions and your own guidance get under the pressure of a storm like this and all of a sudden there's some people of God begin to panic begin to act like they don't know God some people begin to begin to reach out and demand and command and act like entitlement starts to show up in the people of God. Maybe I'm not talking to you. But if we're not, can, if we're not care, careful, 
we will not handle things God's way. If we're not careful, if we're not leaning into him and this pressure from a storm or a life situation, a natural disaster, a COVID-19 or whatever the case or the next circumstance that does come along, because I believe God has us in a valley of training right now as a church and we pass one test, it reveals several other issues or frailties in our lives. And God is just waiting for us to recover with grace so that he can strengthen us by saying, hey, let me just test you with this little trial over here. How are you going to handle that? When are you going to come out looking like me instead of an orphan? Hmm. And we will get discouraged and anxious and stressed and depressed and act like, I don't know what to do. And our trials are some of the best times of our lives if endured with faith. And the steadfast character that God desires for the believer to have is found in times like this. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says it this way, and not only that, but we also glory in our tribulations. Man, praise the Lord that we're going through this, that God is showing us some things, that he's teaching us some things. I felt joy as I was even repairing my hot water heaters because this is not the worst thing that could happen. Praise, the God, praise God that it's not busting and my, my pipes aren't leaking all over my house. Water was leaking into my house, but it's a simple solution. I can cut the water off to my house. There is another way to live. There is an alternative. It's going to be okay. Glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance well that's one thing the body of christ and all people needed during this storm was some perseverance a willingness an understanding a know-how how how to persevere through difficult trying times you know why perseverance is a struggle for so many not knowing how to glory how to glorify god in the tribulations anxiety worry depression fear poor decision making Oh, God has led us out here to die. Happens right here when this is not taking place. When we're not glorifying God in the midst of a trial, perseverance cannot take place. And then verse 4 says, in perseverance, character. And that's why the orphan starts to rise up. That entitlement, that commanding and demanding of others, and that that childish nature of a, what is supposed to be a mature believer at this point because they don't know how to glorify God in their trials. They don't know how to find perseverance in the midst of an issue. But they, they want character. They act like character. And they, they think they've got the character and the nature of God whenever times are good. But God says, mm, let me put a little pressure on that. See how you do. But praise God for that. Praise God for that because he's showing us the frailties. He's showing us where uh, parts of our lives and our emotions, our soul are not built on and founded on the rock, and that's Jesus Christ. And when those things are revealed, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no condemnation. It is a moment where we say, "Uh, that character doesn't look like God. I've got to get rid of that, so I've got to get some of him, some more of him in me in that specific area of my life. I got I to gotta fix the plumbing on this thing because I've got a breach. And then character brings us hope. And I know many of you struggle with hope during this, this week. And many of you struggled with hope during the COVID-19 season that's still at hand. And it's because we forget how to 
joy, find joy and, and glorify God in our trials and realize he has a solution. And if we'll praise him, if we'll worship him, he will bring us through it. If we'll find perseverance and let him work out the goodness, the character of his nature inside of us, hope is the residue and the evidence. Because hope, verse 5 says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Man, hallelujah to that. Feeling a little prophetic here even. When I was, I was preparing this, it says, I, I felt the Lord just kind of lighten my spirit right here because I really feel like some of these trials are nothing but preparations. They're nothing but training sessions for the body of Christ. What we are going through as a nation is a simple training ground for the church to prepare to be the answer to this lost world. And if you're the ones, and it's okay to have needs, we want to facilitate those needs. But the church should be the people that that the ones, the lost people of this world who truly have great need are flocking to and God's people should have the answer because we've been spending time leaning in to his voice. James 1 through 1, 2 says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Hallelujah. Storm came. It was zero degrees. Felt like negative three. George was outside with any clothes on trying to figure out how it feels. And then we run out of water. We run out of electricity. All we can do is boil some gap, boil some water, some snow on our propane tank. Our, the good thing I got that turkey fryer for, for Thanksgiving. Whew, I don't know what I was going to do without that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for this trial. It sounds crazy because it's illogical and faith is illogical. Faith looks completely opposite to the world. The kingdom operates opposite of the world. And the world says, I've got to have all these things and I've got to have them at my control and I've got to have them at a push button. And in fact, I need to be able to control it on my phone. But faith says, I don't need any of that. I just need God to get me through it. I just need God to give me an answer. Knowing, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Verse 4, but the patient, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, hmm, lacking nothing. I know right now, probably feel like you lack everything. This week at some point, probably feel like you, you lacked much. But God is saying, Reef, you'll, you'll find it joy in this trial. If you'll, if you'll understand that the testing of your faith produces patience and that patience, perfect work, and then perfect work being made complete and lacking nothing. God is saying, if you will learn, if the body of Christ will, will learn to praise him and glorify his name in the midst of a trial, he will give us the wisdom from above. He will give us the answer we need. And he, from the kingdom, he will bring through us the answers that this lost world needs so that we can truly facilitate all the needs of this world. Verse 5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to, you, to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. You lack wisdom? How are we going to do it? They didn't, they didn't want to seek God. The three kings didn't want to seek God on their own. They needed to call for a prophet. Well, I'm telling you, there's a man of God speaking to you. You ask for wisdom from God, and his word says he will give to you liberally. 
it will be given to you. But let him ask in faith, not doubting. When we hear and God begins to give us wisdom and he begins to give us ideas, that's when we say, I, here's what the Lord is saying. I'm just going to, by faith, act upon it and let him do the work. Number three is this. God's direction is followed with favor. When God gives you direction, he is going to give you favor if you will, by faith, walk that direction out. And here's what God says through the man of God, Elisha. Verse 19 says, also, you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city. So right here in the middle of their fear, middle of their worry, middle of their drought, he's saying, dig some ditches, go to work. There's going to be some water coming, but not only that, you're not going to sit back and recline. You're not going to sit back and rest. You're actually going to go on the attack. You are moving to the front line. You are about to take on Moab, and you will push Moab back. And he says, and you shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Verse 20 says, now it happened in the morning when the grain offered offering was offered. They begin to offer up to the Lord. You see, God, God responded to the worship because worship is, is worshiping God and worship is bringing in an offering and worship is going out and serving. They were digging the ditches. They were serving. They were getting, getting, the, getting the field ready for the, for the harvest. As soon as they offered up the offering, their needs were met. It says, then suddenly water came by way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Like God led them through their own poor decisions out to a place in the desert where they thought, I don't know how we're going to live. God has led us to die, but he didn't. God led them beyond their own decisions, emotions, control, so he could actually put them into a place where he could speak to them. And I believe God has blessed you and I this week with a position through circumstances to reveal frailties in our faith so that he could speak to us, strengthen us, prepare us, equip us for the days to come. Because I don't believe we're at the end of the difficult times. I believe we're just in preparation for the difficult times to come. But difficult times will not be difficult times for the body of Christ if the body of Christ will live through, perceive, fulfill God's word and live by the direction, the instruction, and the ways that God has set forth for all of us to thrive and just apply his word. I believe God will begin to give us wisdom that is beyond understanding to the logical world. And whenever God's people begin to live by his wisdom, that is when the kingdom will flow through his church into the earth and will fulfill the prayer that our Lord Jesus commanded us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to finish with this. I want to finish with prayer because I think these are some key principles for us to hear, believe, and obey. In difficult times, when we want to do this out of our emotions instead, pause, Lord, I need some wisdom. I'm rejoicing in this difficult time. He graces us with peace 
And we shouldn't move. We shouldn't make a decision until we find his peace. And then from that place, we begin to listen to what he has to say. We hear, we believe, and then we go and do. And that's when God can bless what we do. So, Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your direction. We thank you for the valleys of life. We praise you for the wilderness. We lift up your holy name. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for lack of water this week, electricity. Thank you that you are preparing us for times ahead. Thank you that you are giving us character, perseverance, a steadfast spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you are equipping the saints for the work of service. Father, I pray that you bring in the lost world next week as we open up the doors for full in-person worship. I pray that you bring in the lost and the hurting and the wounded, the stressed, the anxious. And I pray that you fill up your body, your people, to carry your character, your nature, your heart, your voice, to be the change that our world needs. So Father, empower your people, those city workers who are out trying to fulfill the needs, who are trying to repair the breaches in the water lines, the electric companies, Lord, the workers who are out on the front lines repairing, working diligently day and night, the medical field, Lord, every worker that is, is assisting and aiding. For those who are homebound, struggling, in difficult trials. Even this week, I was able to pray over a, a father of one of my neighbors, a blessing as he transitioned to go home that night to be with the Lord. Father, I pray for peace over that family and all the families, the hundreds of families that are in the same situation, holding family members at home and hospice through this trying time. Lord, I pray that you give them each a greater measure of grace. And Father, I pray that your church will rise up and be the change that this world needs. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And I wanna remind you, if you'll put that graphic up for help, help, if you need help for any purpose, just text HELP to 903-804-7418 and we will send you a link and we will get you help. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you right here in this building next Sunday, February 28th to kick off Thrive Tribes. God bless and have an amazing week.